Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. In today's episode, I had a conversation with my friend, Mary Shook. We met through a container called The Magician's Table, which was facilitated by our mutual mentor, Britton LaRue. I want to start off with sharing Mary's bio, which I feel describes her really, really well. Let me read it for you. Mary describes herself as someone who is committed to showing up for the experience of belonging in a human body. Informed by her upbringing as a homeschooled pastor's kid and the eighth of 11 siblings, Mary is reclaiming her right to exploration and education. She values meditative, multidisciplinary living through her practices of writing, music, art, movement, bread making, astrology, and being outdoors. Through these avenues, Mary is joyfully emerging as an intuitive and comedic mystic. Mary has spent most of the last decade deep in thought in gardens, on a lobster boat, and more recently, an oyster farm. She is originally from the Chicago area and currently lives on an island in Maine. I love that bio because I feel like knowing Mary, I could hear her in that bio. And so I kind of want to start off with that. And, and I guess when I reached out to Mary for um, a conversation, I knew that I wanted to explore a topic that's not just familiar to us on an intellectual level, kind of on a scholarly, um, heady level, but, but I wanted to explore a conversation that felt like it was coming from our own embodied lived experience level and mining some wisdom from that experience. Mary and I are both self-proclaimed survivors of religious trauma, and what I found interesting was that rather than that experience taking us away from the path of the mystic, from our own spiritual path, that experience kind of became the launching pad for us developing our own language um, with regards to connecting with spirit and also with the numinous. All of that is to say that, you know, for a conversation revolving around the theme of the Hierophant, I don't think you could really have a better pairing. To me, this conversation feels really brave. Questions and ponderings were always required and answers were always optional. Um... It was really a true back and forth conversation. To me, it almost feels like there were moments in this conversation where I almost forgot that we were recording ourselves. We spoke in metaphors and in circles, in spirals, and along the way, we had tons of laughters, detours. We were kind of thinking on our feet and we were even cursing. So I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. 
um, especially if you're interested in things like cultish behaviors and why we engage in them and how developing awareness of what um, cultish behaviors are and where it came from, how it can lead us to new ways of being in teacher-student relationships. On a personal level, we were also discussing Mary's relationship to her own inner teacher and how it's shifted through being in voluntary learning spaces as an adult and committing to her own personal practices. All right, let's get into it. Here is my conversation with Mary Shook. Welcome, Mary. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here with me. Thanks for asking me to come. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I am so excited to talk to you. Um, how did we meet? I feel like we met <laughs> through <laughs> the magician's table, right? Uh, yeah, the webinar. Um, the webinar, yeah. Yeah, I went to the second one live. I didn't go to the first. I you saw me, but I didn't see you in that webinar. But yeah. we connected for sure, and mm -hmm. and then we spent how long was it? Like three months together in that container, mm -hmm. and ever since, you know, I feel like we've just kind of gotten deeper in our friendship, and I've just really admired you and your ability to tap into truth in a way that's fun irreverent and just you know like really human so thank you <laughs> oh thanks I uh I know I feel like saying that after <laughs> I was like who is this Jonathan person definitely creeped you on Instagram listen to your Spotify I was like what what is this person even like who is this and yeah so I'm it's it's gone really well I'm still learning but you know, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot to talk about, <laughs> and I'm I'm just super excited to have you here. And I I like to begin with the question of who who do you know yourself to be at this moment? Who do you sense or who do you feel yourself to be at this point in your life? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind when you say that it makes me think about. Um, you know, the language of the magician's table is so much about being an emerging reader, but emerging in so many other ways. And I think some of it is just being okay with it. And like, I don't know, I, I think it's like the process of it. Um, I, there's a lot of resistance that I think I've had over time to like being in a place to claiming that. Mm -hmm. And um, we're all always unfolding and that I don't have to wait for like the perfect package to also be unfolding and also talk about it with people. Like I would never say the stuff that, you know, to other people that I tell myself about it. I'd be like, of course, yes, we're all on our journey, whatever. But, uh, Yeah. I don't know. I think there's like a certain gentleness around it that I'm letting myself have that I haven't always. Yeah. I think it's so powerful to claim and kind of really center that constant unfolding. I 
have known you to be like just this multi-dimensional being, which we all are. But I feel like we also were born around like a very similar time frame, time period. And I think that mm-hmm. there's something, you know, kind of in the air when we were born that kind of gives us that multi-dimensionality in a way that's much more outward. Our generation in time was like kind of forced to really externalize that. Is that something you felt too? Yeah, for sure. Because um, I think a lot of like people our age, we already have missed that chance of chance, if you want to call it that, of being like, <laughs> I got a career and I just did that for 40 years. Like, right. I don't really know many people other than, you know, teachers or something. And even that I know a lot of teachers who stopped teaching. Um, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Thank you for your work. Um, but uh, I mean, I work for a former teacher, an oyster farmer. Um, but But again, it's like that you don't have to just be one thing and well, like whoever is one thing and why would you ever want to be known for just the one thing? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we had wanted to talk about was around this idea of like cults, you know, basically, right? (laughs) And maybe, you know, I think I I want to be very clear here that um, I'm sure this conversation will have a lot of like laughter and, and just like, you know, irreverence, because that's kind of the collective field that you and I create together when we're, you know, just face to face. But, you know, there's obviously like the more scary cults, right, which we all know. (laughs) And like, if you are anything like me, really love like hearing about and like learning and studying. But there's also just like culty behaviors, Mm -hmm. right? And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, one of the things that we had wanted to talk about was this idea of like leaders right like in order for there to be a leader there kind of has to be um by definition followers right Mm -hmm. and so even when we use words like thought leaders you know like these are the people who somehow kind of become cultural centers for ideas or kind of like temples of ideas so I'm, i'm curious you know to hear why you're interested in this because i feel like you can share as much detail as you would like but but what has been your experience with culty behaviors and like (laughs) (laughs) culty things (laughs) i love that um well when you said uh, something that you said a minute ago um culty behaviors it's like you know you're just bordering on culty but like you I think it's like, where's the line? That's Mm -hmm. what I'm curious about. It's like, where's the line? It's kind of like, where's the line between being like healthy and then orthorexic or like, you know, being aware of what you're consuming, but like, come on, you know, just (laughs) eat the whatever. I don't know. Doesn't matter. You know, like those things that it's okay to like break your own rules. Um, Yeah, I think having grown up in church and just seeing a lot of people who are like there for whatever reason, um, whatever it is that you're looking for, there's like some people like you go into it because you're wanting to belong. Like you don't go into a cult because you're wanting to, I don't know, 
do like that's kind of why you show up like you sign up for it because you're like these people have what i want yeah so so in a way like you know I like I put a lot of trust in somebody like you and Britain or like Leah Garza, who we are a student of. And yes. I think about like, what is the line in which I'm like, if she tells me to jump, I'm like, well, it's Leah. So like, I trust her. Like, where is the I trust you. But at what point should I not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I think about um why I don't feel like it's culty even though i'm obsessed with our magician's table group or what is sure to come with our living systems thing um you know when i think about why i was attracted to any of the any of the people who are my teachers it's like because they don't seem like it's bullshit and maybe that's just my own detector Mm. and maybe that is it could be faulty but i think i just grew up yeah like trying to sense that and weed it out so i like my own detector for it i don't know about you i I do agree with you about belonging and about how like that's the reason why most people want to be in these culty things right Mm -hmm. and it's like even when we think about things like celebrities or musicians that we really follow you know there's something culty about that too for sure Mm -hmm. yeah and that it's it's okay to look up to people and respect them but also if you find out that they happen to do unsavory things like i don't know i always think about like michael jackson or something where yeah we all know there's some questionable stuff but you're like can i just be okay with accepting that this person who i appreciate as a musician is also maybe a little bit of a shitbag yeah (laughs) and that like it's all that like holding space where all these things can be true but i think if you go into it expecting that they can do no wrong and that they're not human like maybe the key is just remembering that anybody's human so they're prone to be human in all of the ways that you can show up. There's also a way in which I feel like the culty behavior, right, to me is like a two-way street. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just like this leader trying to get people to do whatever this person wants them to do. But the the people following the leader has to consent as well, you know. Mm. And so like there's kind of like a way in which... I don't know, maybe we like, we need to be better about not falsely advertising. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's two things. It's like, are they advertising what they're like, what we're perceiving? Cause I think about this, like I was talking to my sister earlier today, she's a musician and she said something like she met someone and they were asking her like, I don't I'm trying to think if I shouldn't be this specific, but like, (laughs) you know, like, oh, you have relationship problems. Like, I thought you were just like this perfect person who had nothing going on. She's like, yeah, I'm, I've got all the, you know, issues too, like anyone else. And like, she didn't try to put out that thing. It's just a person looked up to her Mm -hmm. and thought she must not have those problems. Like whatever it is, 
You know, like if I look at Jonathan, who I look up to for many reasons, and I'm like, oh, well, they must never have problems with articulating a point very clearly with eloquent language. You know, I can only imagine it's like, well, maybe you do or maybe you don't. It doesn't. It's like my projection on who you are. Yeah. And it has nothing to do like like you're. It, it's not my business to project that on you, nor is it your business to assume you have to fit that either. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, it's interesting because belonging to me, um, I recently started reading or listening to Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams's. Yes. Um, it's so good. Um, Audio book on belonging. And one of the things that she had mentioned was that the problem is that we don't talk about belonging. The, the reason why belonging is so tender and so scary is because a lot of it is unspoken, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like I think as we put more words around it, as we allow it to take its own shape, you know, the spirit to take its own shape in our culture, right? We will stop tiptoeing around the mm-hmm. idea of belonging, right? And so... Yeah, I feel like projection is so interesting, Mary. I I wonder if you, what's your relationship with projection in your own life? Mm. Or the pedestal? I think, like, how personal am I? (laughs) Okay, so quick, quick thing about me. Um, I grew up a pastor's kid. I'm the eighth of 11 kids. And... I think a lot of people have their ideas about who my parents are or were and how our family is or was back then. Um, And so, yeah, I I think um, growing up in a big family, there's a lot that's like projected on you within the dynamic of the group and there's not a lot about you as an individual and so I guess when I think about projection or how I like I think it I worried for a long time that it made me inauthentic because I felt a lot differently than I behaved Mm. because I behaved a certain way out of an energetic load that was just a consequence of living with a lot of people. And I'm a sensitive person, you know, it's like, um, it's hard to think of how I managed to get by, but when it comes to those projections about like, oh, we don't have to worry about you or like, you'll just do whatever and be fine. It doesn't mean that I didn't have like needs or wants or what whatever other things that normal human beings have um but the projection was that i didn't have those things so it took me kind of like an embarrassingly long time to realize that there's a lot of stuff that um yeah i just didn't know that i wanted or could even relate to cuz it was just so foreign to like i don't know like let myself want certain things cuz i just didn't comprehend it like it wasn't a frame of reference that i had yeah my experience with projection is that you know it's almost like it's a defense mechanism you know it's like i was afraid 
to truly show people my fallible humanness. Mm. Because if I do that, then I fear that I will be bullied, or if I will be forgotten, you know, mm. or if I will be um, left behind. And so, like, to me, my relationship with projection has always been that I have to catch up. With the projection, in uh, order to prove that, like, <laughs> that I you belong. are the projection. <laughs> <laughs> right. I am that. Tell me what right. I am, so I can work on being that thing. Yeah, I think mine was more like, I'm not that thing. Like, mm. don't make me be that thing. Right. We aren't. And it's hard, like, being on the younger end where you're like, oh, I mean, this is just me. Like, I just spend a lot of time thinking, I guess. And it would just be like, why can't? We just all like say what we want to say, but mm -hmm. we're all like just not really talking about the same. Yeah, like that that the projection of what our like the idea is of if it's my family or if it's like me as a like how I show up with my friends or something like when like I think a lot of people have this idea that I'm just always like joking around or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's, it's really just cause I feel like that's what other people need or something. Like maybe you. that's the projection yeah. that I'm, that I'm thinking about is like, okay, how can I be the thing to solve it? When maybe that's like not my job or my responsibility to worry about that, but I, it's like a caretaker thing or wanting to just, on. Wanting to just, yeah, like make it, uh, yeah, like just balance it out, I think. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's interesting because all of this is making me think, you know, about how part of the bullshit detector you were talking about earlier, I think has to do with where you are in your own process of deconstructing your own relationship with projections, right? For me, the most recent one was this idea of how I have, like my own specific ways of putting my teachers or authority figures on a pedestal, which is probably very different than a lot of the people that I see. Like how I see a lot of other people putting, putting people on a pedestal is like to always like say great things about them. Right? But for me, it's like I allow them to be like gatekeepers. Like if mm. they don't tell me that I can do X, Y, Z, then I'm not going to do it. You know, mm -hmm. or if I'm not encouraged by an authority figure to do X, Y, Z, then I'm not going to do it. And I think as I'm deconstructing that belief, right, which I didn't even realize I had until I had to start teaching, basically. <laughs> because <laughs> like, I'm like, who's in charge? <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, who is, who, first of all, who's in charge? And second of all, it's like, if I'm telling the people that I'm teaching or I'm transferring knowledge to, um, to think for themselves, and I'm encouraging them to think for themselves and to create spaces where we can all express our opinions, express what's coming through for us, how do we, you know, why is it then that I'm still like feeling blockages or why am I still feeling afraid? Mm. You know, because I think that fear is so alive and, and yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear if there's anything you would like to add to that, you know, about 
how you've developed your own relationship with your bullshit detector as you unpack your own ideas about projection or as you start moving away from an unhealthy relationship with projection, however that is. Because I know that, you know, one thing that we've been talking about too, right, is about how sometimes there may be things, you know, that actually are deeply in resonance with us, but we don't allow ourselves to have it because the people that we are surrounded with growing up that perhaps are not in resonance with us are doing that mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's I'm trying to think of a good example, but like, it's just like, I don't want to have that thing in common because that must, <laughs> it's like you said earlier, when you said the word culture, I was like, oh, cult, sure. Yes. However that, you know, it's like, it is like society is this cult, you know, like it's really mm. just like one big agreement. Um wow. yeah. <laughs> But uh, sorry, okay, I feel like I'm not doing a great job of actually answering your questions, but... Please, like, this okay. is this is a non-linear space. Okay, it doesn't, thank you. You don't even have to, you don't have to answer my question. I'm just really, like, I th- forget it. I, let's talk about tea. <laughs> <laughs> the only, uh, I feel like the only, my questions are nets, you know? Okay, and whatever okay. fish gets in there is exactly what is great. meant to come through. Okay, so when you were talking about bullshit detector, um, can you repeat that or just ask me the question about the bullshit detector again? Sure, yeah. I think the simplest way to rephrase the bullshit detector question is that my sense is that our bullshit detector gets stronger as we deconstruct our relationship with projection, right? Whether that's mm -hmm. projecting towards others or whether that's people's projection towards us. So I'm curious to to hear if that if that's been your experience, you know, or or how have you developed your bullshit detector? If I'm honest, um I think it's kind of just always been how I am. Like I don't know if it's that moon in the first house, whatever, maybe you can tell me better than I. You're my teacher. <laughs> or, or you me. can tell me better than, um, than I because you I mean, live I, it. <laughs> all right. I'm like, can I? Okay. Please tell me how I feel. Um, <laughs> so I feel like, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's just how I've always been. Like maybe it's just um, a safety thing. Like for me, mm. um, Something my partner and I were talking about recently was just when you're growing up in a situation with like a lot of different personalities and a lot of different energy is like this idea that you're always like on the lookout for, well, kind of like belong. it's, it's the belonging, but it's like, okay, how do I navigate the scene that I'm in? And maybe that's just how I I tend to be. Like, I've got a lot of, like, I, I don't know. I guess I just have the tendency of being, like, how can I not add to what's happening? And so I think maybe that means I didn't examine myself that much because I was just like, all right, this is what this person needs. 
which again could be wrong, but that was me projecting that on them. Um, but when I, yeah, when I think about like, if it was church or neighbors who, <laughs> uh, I had a lot of brothers, there was a lot of, you know, ruckus in the neighborhood or whatever. And it would be like, that's not like, that's not really who this person is, but you can't know that. Or like, I know this thing about this person that I don't know, like, we all have those things where we're like, that's not really who they are. You're judging them for, like, this aspect of their behavior when it's not their character. Mm. Like, you're assigning value or um, judgments or something. So maybe I just had a lot of examples for the dynamics of uh, how this was happening, and I just watched it play out a lot. Because I think maybe... Right. Growing up in a big family, I'm I'm just like constantly assessing what various like groups of people or pairs of people. I don't does you know what it I mean? It totally makes sense. It I don't feels know like, how to it's like it not something like that I articulate happening. very often, but it's mm-hmm. like I've spent a lot of time just being like, this is this person matched with them. And like, I'm not a big group person, which means that I didn't really want to be in the situation I was in, yeah, especially being right. homeschooled for a long time. Right. Um, how much? Yeah. I'm like, how much of this stuff do you want to hear? <laughs> I feel like it's it's helpful to hear like how. Because I think that we're kind of in this moment too, right, of deconstructing what it means to lead. Mm. deconstructing what it means to have teachers to to be a teacher mm. to teach other people right yeah um, and and that like you don't have to actually have a role like for you like we were talking about consent earlier it's like i consented knowing you were my teacher and you consented knowing like i you have these students i am your student and we we don't articulate those agreements very often. Like, Mm -hmm. like you were saying earlier about wanting to belong. It's like, we don't, you know, like, okay. So yesterday our friend Magda came out and I was like thinking about, Oh, if this person who I know pretty well on the internet, it's like, maybe everything will be completely different, you know, like as if that's, I mean, it could happen, but like, no, did I really not pick up on any of the vibes that like when we were supposed to talk for half an hour and we talked for two, that like suddenly that was just not going to be the case in real life, (laughs) 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 which is like all of our readings. Let's be serious. Sorry, Britain. Um, Actually, sorry, Saturn. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, the whole... uh, Like, I think that's what was the powerful thing about being in that particular group, not cult, is that we did kind of go into it being like, we're going to go through some shit together, whereas, and and like, we're going to come out of it and we'll just, I assume we'll be friends afterward and we all still are, you Mm -hmm. know, but like with the family, um, we don't really have that conscious thing. Like, I guess sometimes parents get married, sometimes the, you know, like that's not always like I, I think to an extent that um, 
Like for me, I believe there's something unconscious about like choosing the lifetime that I have mm-hmm. and whatever that means to inhabit this body. But I, I think it, we'd be a lot happier or at least feel like we had a little agency if we just owned that more. Cause I think when you want to say like, I didn't choose this family or I didn't choose this type like this, how could this teacher do this thing to me? It's like, well, did they even know that they in quotes <laughs> owed you that thing that you, yeah. you wanted from them or you expected them to uphold some standard that wasn't part of the agreement. Right. Yeah. Wow. I, I feel like there's so, so many different places I can go with what you just said, but one thing that I've been thinking about is having reverence for our teachers, right? Mm. And perhaps like where that line is, you know, of like being reverent towards our teachers or different lineages of the practices that we carry, the practices that we um, have relationships with, and how much of that is, you know, setting ourselves free versus like caging ourselves or even perhaps like a subconscious fear of going out and striking on our own mm-hmm. or of like deepening into our own knowing, right? Which may be the same or maybe really different. Well, it, I guess what I wonder is like, why do we have to treat well, it's not that I think the teacher shouldn't be treated with a certain respect or reverence or like just the fact that you're giving them your attention or energy. Um, there's a couple things that it made me think of. It's like, first, why is it different than any other relationship? You know, like maybe we don't know our teachers as well as we know somebody who's like a friend or somebody you work with. But if ultimately like yeah like if you're at a point where you would just throw out every possible red flag or not even red flag it's just like why are you forgetting that they're just like you there's nothing that not to say that they're not special but somebody can they're like we know that people can be teachers without having the title of a teacher just in the sense that like anybody can be a teacher there's like that consent thing, but it's not really necessary if you're, if you're not needing anything from them. Like there's not an energetic, uh, like a labor or something. Yeah. I'm really feeling into how we're now in this territory of decolonializing the idea of a teacher, like, or what, what, teaching even is because I think there's a lot of examples out there where that context hasn't been exactly nourishing you know or even even in the best teacher student relationship in our colonial world um, it still implies like a mon monodirectionality you know like it's all kind of going in one direction rather than like this process of osmosis between Mm -hmm. human beings or not even just humans but like 
humans and the world around them, mm-hmm. right? Like different things in nature, you know? Well, and that, yeah, like, and it's the relationship that that's happening all the time. And why do we choose that, like, certain relationships somehow have more, uh, I don't know if it's like weightiness necessarily, but like charge. Yeah. Mm. And that maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm curious, you know, since you're a teacher now, it's like, okay, do you feel like, are you dismantling your own ideas of like, oh shit, now I'm in this role. Like, what does that mean for me? Like I thought teachers should do X, Y, and Z. And I don't want to do that. Or like, I think about, you know, with our classes, you guys are always telling us like, if you don't do any of it, it's fine. Like you told me a week ago, be a bad student. And I am leaning hard into that. (laughs) (laughs) And, And it's like, it so goes against the like servitude relationship that I think a lot of teachers, when I think of this is, I actually was pretty lucky. I would say most of my professors in college were amazing. Mm. And there were only a couple who I felt like, why are you doing this weird power trip thing? Like, why does it have to be like that? And do you actually like that? Like, it's kind of just abusive. Yeah. Sorry. I kind of, I I skipped your question. (laughs) No, I love, I love everything you just said. And I, I think there's like millions of different shades of being on the learner and the giver of learning spectrum, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Or facilitator of learning spectrum. And I just kind of feel myself, at least ideally, to be someone who is like always kind of dialing up and dialing down within the spectrum. I don't see myself as a teacher. That's been something that I'm investigating and I'm still kind of not nowhere near an answer Mm -hmm. in that I don't really know if I even resonate with the idea of being a teacher. Well, maybe a lot of Not in the way that we've been. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just like we have these roles, like people, I don't know, I'm not a parent, but I, I imagine that, you know, you have a kid and you're like, oh my God, I'm a mother or whatever. I'm a parent. And it's like, who am I now? Like, everything's just gone. Now all I am is a parent, you know? (laughs) Like, that's what I imagine. I mean, it sounds lovely for some. And and I think uh, that, of course, though, of course, you're not only that. Like, you're not only a teacher. And maybe part of, like, when you're younger and you run into your teacher outside of school, it's like, who is this person? They live outside in the world, you know, like, of course they do, but you just like, like it didn't really occur to me that they also did stuff elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel that. I was wondering if you would want to share muse, explore, your own your own inner teacher i've been wondering about like mm. how you have been teaching yourself you know and and really you can answer that question from any lens that is really resonating with you right now okay well it's funny when you said that i don't know if you ever do yoga with adrian on the internet um I have but not, she <laughs> what I adrian have not. 
I once did a class with her in real life in Austin. It was a dream. Did I cry? Yes, many times. Um, she's amazing, but she says something about getting hot for inner teacher. Mm. So here I am getting hot for inner teacher. Anyway, this is a totally different podcast now. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, I think it's been okay. So my life card or whatever is the hierophant. Is it hiero or hero? Hierophant? I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. I need to look it up. It bothers me that I don't know for sure. I say hierophant. Um, yeah. Hierophant. Okay. HP. Um, Although HP shit. has sometimes been attributed to high priestess as well. Oh, shit. I've heard people say HP as yeah, in that like makes high sense. priestess. Okay. Right. Yeah, just H then. Anyway. Um, so that's my life card, apparently. And, you know, it's like, it feels really fitting for this conversation that it's, it's, I mean, I'm still very new to the tarot, but thinking about those, like, what, what does that represent? And I don't know. I think I've always liked learning, but when I think about my relationship with learning in a formal setting, it's pretty intimidating or has been. <clears throat> partly because of being homeschooled and always going to tiny Christian schools. And, you know, when I, like when I went to college, I was pretty excited to just get to learn about things that I wanted to learn about. And at the same time, I still kind of felt like, oh, I should have done better. Like I could have been better at that. Hmm. Um, and now I can look back on it and be like, holy crap, like you got through that. Thank you, Capricorn Celium. You really served me well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so sorry. When I think about the, um, yeah, just like learning, I, I guess it, it just confused me when I would be with people in college who just like, didn't seem to like any of their classes or like any of the stuff we were learning and everything for me was like oh, this relates to this class I mean I did psychology and religious studies so there was a lot of like fun overlap for me and being like look at all of these things that are coming together all together the liberal arts mwah, love and um so I did yeah so now though I think like now that I'm doing it independently and sort of just like owning that curiosity from a place that for me feels like a like I guess it is kind of just like inner child work to revisit these things that I was curious about and wanted to learn about but didn't really have the resources or didn't have the structure around it I think it's like how do I want to say that? Like, it's been hard to work through the resistance around it, even though my inner teacher does want, like, I really do want that. I think there's this sense of like, you can't make me do this, even though I want to, mm. but like, I still feel like resentful. I don't now. I think I, I think I've worked through a lot of that, but it's because I've had, you know, like, Maybe part of it with, again, the magician's table being like, oh, I have to take inventory of what I am doing. And it really forced me to look at 
what I have done, which is a lot better than I, like, I think it was just the, if I'm focused on what I could do better, you can't really see how well you are doing. And I, I think starting a writing practice that I've been doing for a couple years. Now I have this huge stack and just being like, Oh, that exists. Like that's not nothing, you know, or like I've been hanging out with my friend yoga with Adrian on the internet for like, however many years it's like, that's not nothing. And little by little it adds up. But I think at the time of like, whenever you start those things or whenever I started those things, I should say, it's like, I have that thought that, you know, if I mess up, then I must not have really been committed. Or if I don't follow through like once or twice and then I, I don't get back to it, I'm a, just like garbage at it. And it's mm-hmm. like, you can't, it's like, uh, you the more time that passes, you can see what the pattern is. But if you're only looking at a week, you're like, yeah, I did suck at that. Like I didn't really right. commit to that. But, right. you know, when you look back over years and I think a lot of like, since I moved to Maine, like I'm, I'm from, I'm from a place that's very different and coming here, it's like a total reset and how am I actually versus how am I when I'm around all the energy of where I'm from or my family of origin? Yeah. So I don't know if that fully answered the inner teacher thing, but I guess now I think it's just trusting that that's like true for me and that I'm not somebody who actually is like, I don't, it's funny to think back when I thought I was irresponsible or I thought I was lazy. Cause now I can look at it and be like, wow, you had a lot going on. So mm-hmm. like, good job. <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, it's interesting because, you know, if it's okay to talk about your chart, right. Oh yeah. You have, Please do. Okay. You have your ninth house ruled by Capricorn. And I think what you described was such a Cap- <laughs> was such a Capricorn experience, you know, of this, like, I feel like wherever we have our Capricorn in our chart is often where we per- perhaps don't get a lot of pleasure in the moment of doing it. And only in <laughs> hindsight do we look back and we're like, whoa, shit, like we really did a lot. You know, and so like there is kind of comfort in that because then it's like, okay, if things don't feel good right now, just wait and see. Right. Like in three months or three years, you know? Yeah. And I think it's like that makes me think about what people say about the weather here, where it's like, if you don't like it, wait five minutes, which is kind of just everywhere. I feel like everywhere says that everyone thinks that they're the place that the weather changes a lot but they're not, you're not that interesting. The weather's changing all the time everywhere, but it, it just goes back to like impermanence and thinking like I, I, when I was talking to my sister earlier, it's like, there are those things that were like, Oh, I just like, if you're like in this pit of despair and you are thinking like, well, this is just how it is forever. It's like, actually, I am so glad it's not. And the more you pay attention to that, it's going to change and the cycle is going to change, then you cannot freak out mm-hmm. and trust that it's not going to. Like, I don't know. One thing that's making me think of is like when you play uh, 
like catch with kids or you're like shooting hoops with kids you miss one and they're like you suck and then you got it they're like great job you're really good but then you miss one and they're like you suck it's like okay we're playing for like half an hour we don't have to comment on everything you don't have to just like every little thing (laughs) but you know like like we can't live our lives like that, like commenting on every little thing you can, but it's just going to make shit tedious. So just like, let it go. Let it go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like letting the commentator, um, take a back seat every now and again, you know, just Mm -hmm. like chillax. You -hmm. don't have to keep score the whole time. Yeah. And I think because, you know, talking about my chart, it's like so much stuff in Capricorn that, I always just like, I knew I was an Aquarius sun. So I was like, yeah, I am eccentric and whatever, (laughs) whatever the things are, I'm different. I'm so cool. Um, But knowing now that I have hella Capricorn and Taurus in my chart, I'm like, why did I just say hella? And it's not even a word that I say. I just want to clarify that. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, now that I, you know, I know that I have these other things, it took a long time to be like, oh, right, I am that. Like, mm-hmm. I just always thought I was the opposite, which was just like aimless and ungrounded and emotional. Yeah. Well, and it goes back, sorry, I mean, like earlier, the projections of like, who am I? Like to a lot of people in my family, if that's the example we want to go with, but like, oh, you're really sensitive and emotional and reactive. But when you can get out of this place, like I I refer to my life as just like a long-term detox from being around a lot of people. And there's nothing wrong with being, you know, being around a lot of people or whatever, but it's, it's makes it really difficult to know Mm -hmm. what's yours and what's not yours. Absolutely. And so when I think about how I thought I was like, yeah, I am sensitive and I can cry really easily, but you know who cries easier? People who are Pisces and. (laughs) That's right. Um, and, and it's like, that's. Thinking of all of our <laughs> voice things. Sorry, I'm just tearing up a little bit. Um, anyways, and and also the moon and cancer. And now that I pay attention to that, you know, I notice that in moon and cancer days, I do cry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But I don't have to think, oh, I'm going to be in this forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. I have been thinking about how you know, different relationships in our lives, different jobs, different, um, maybe even like places that we live in. They're all just like transits, you know, Mm -hmm. like really like astrologically, right? Like they happen as they coincide with certain transits, but Mm -hmm. like it'll pass, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think you had mentioned non, you know, like non-permanence, that to me feels like something worth grounding into. Mm-hmm. Which seems like you shouldn't <laughs> be able to. 
Right. You're like, I really want to lean into this fluidity of not, I don't, I just like, it's airy, it's floating, it's fleeting. But I guess that's, you know, like the being human and feeling like whatever's coming up for you is so intense or painful that at least you know that, yeah, leaning, like grounding in that, Mm -hmm. that there's like, it isn't forever. Yeah. So what's your, I'm curious to hear more about you and your creative practice and your energetic practices and where you sense the line is between the two or -hmm. if there is a line at all or if they're kind of all just swimming together now yeah i don't think yeah any of those distinctions it it's sort of like putting you know if you have like a a calendar and you write out like from one to two I'm gonna write or whatever and two to three I'm gonna do whatever like I don't know I think the biggest thing is knowing that you can practice like any time of of day or anywhere that you are because I tend to feel like if I get if I get hard on myself now <laughs> about not practicing, it's like, oh wait, but I'm doing that all the time. Cause the more that you're paying, like if you're out for a walk and you're like, oh, I really enjoy the feeling of the sun or like I live on the ocean. So it's like, I can go sit there and listen to the waves anytime. Like it doesn't have to be this thing where I'm like militant about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's better to not be militant about it. But, um, yeah, the, the creative, I guess, hmm. So like thinking about any of the creative practices, like the writing that I mentioned, proprioceptive writing, highly recommend it. Check it out. Um, <laughs> Do you want to talk more about that? Oh, actually? sure. Or how, yeah. how you're doing it. Okay. So the first astrologer who I went to, Arifa Bowler, Bowler, I think that's how you say her name. I should know that too. It's really hard when you see things written and nobody actually says it out loud. I'm very visual, but also it's fine. Yeah. Arifa B, look her up on the internet. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. So I went to this lady um, who my friends referred to as my professor Trelawney. Little mm. did I know how comical mm. it would be because I have become the Trelawney. Not quite. <clears throat> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Focus. <laughs> so <clears throat> proper receptive writing is a practice <laughs> that I was introduced to from Aretha. And so there's a book called Writing the Mind Alive. And the practice is basically like you set a timer for 25 minutes, you light a candle, you listen to Baroque music, or I just always like to listen to Yo-Yo Ma. And 
because I don't like it. Sometimes a harpsichord will come on and that just distracts me. Mm-hmm. You know? No harpsichord. I just, I'm not into that. I don't okay. know. There's like, I'm not like an instrument, well, an instrumentalist, like in a, you know, speciesist, racist, instrumentalist. Like instruments are great, but I'm not, I don't know. The harpsichord is just not what I want to hear when I'm trying to write. I it's fine. You. you know what I mean? Anyway, so, and then while you're writing, you ask yourself the question, uh, what do I mean by blank? So if I'm sitting here writing, you know, I I was on this podcast with Jonathan. It was terrible. What do I mean by terrible? Actually, it was really lovely. Um, but like, okay, let me think of a better example. Like, it was really lovely. What do I mean by lovely? And just expanding on... Mm whatever feelings are coming up, but also really grounding in what's coming to you and like listening to your inner voice, which I guess, I mean, that's the whole inner teacher thing that the more you're quiet and listening to what's trying to come through, you're not just like free writing in a way that it's just loosely going nowhere. You're really trying to get to the heart of you know, if I, if I say something like, <clears throat> like earlier today, I guess, thinking about, you know, like, when I think of this house, what do I mean by house? And you could go into the details of like, where you were. And at the end of it, there's, you, you read it out loud while you answer, oh, sorry, I'm explaining this poorly. You answer four questions that are about the right, um, was there anything heard but not written? Um, how or what do I feel now? What larger story is this right a part of? And do I have any ideas for future rights? And so then you read the whole thing out loud. And I think that's really important. For me, it's been really important because there are lots of times that you, you know, you write a journal and you just throw it down and forget it. And there, it's like, Being able to say certain things out loud that you maybe don't think you have strong feelings about and you Mm. notice that you're emotional about it or that maybe it's something that you want to explore more. And it's like a really good way to get in touch with what you really mean. I mean, that's the question is like, what do I mean by blank? And and I find that it's kind of carried over into conversations where it seems kind of like um, awkward or like fumbly when you're just like, well, what do you mean by? Hmm. But it's a it's a really good way to probe people or yourself to think like, what am I really trying to say? Like, what's right. the point here? Because a lot of times we could just blow past things. But if you really dig at it, you can get a lot closer to the, to the like root of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it, it feels like, yeah, you're getting to know yourself. You're getting to know your inner teacher as you're engaging in that practice, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I, and I think I said this the other day, but I'll say it again, <laughs> that like every time when I fill out the thing, like how or, or what am I feeling now? I'm like, glad I showed up, which is, I think something that we need to remember because it's easy to be like, whatever, I meditated and now I feel like shit, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, 
I'm mad about this thing and I can't let it go. But even if you leave the practice being like, you know, this brought up some, some material that I'd maybe don't want to deal with or think about. It's like, but you still showed up to the work. And I, I think training myself, like program, you know, like we got programmed away it like to be the people we are now and deconstructing from that and reconstructing some life, you know, you have to, it's like, why do you work out, you know, or why does Mm -hmm. anybody eat the foods that they eat? It's like, Oh, I feel like garbage when I eat that. So I no longer eat that. Or, you know, I feel like maybe it's not like working out so that you look ripped. You're just like, I actually feel really good when I go for a walk. So Mm -hmm. I want to walk because I just feel like I've, I'm, I feel in a better mood or I feel like I got some fresh air, like who cares? Yeah. But it's just like really attuning to what feels right. And like finding something that is worth returning to maybe cause you don't always know why in the first place, but that eventually you'll get to that point. Right. Right. I love all of that. Thank you for sharing with us. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, all right. So as we kind of, you know, get to a close, I'm curious if there's anything you want to talk about, if there's anything Mm. you feel like we haven't talked about that you want to talk about. Um, it's so funny. I, I didn't know what we were going to, where this was going to go, but this is very off topic. Very. Okay. So maybe it's something you'll just say, let's edit that out. What the F, Mary. So the other day, um, I was talking to some friends about death and like funeral practices. Mm. So I was curious about, um, you know, so you grew up in another country. It's like, have you been to funerals here? You know, just curious about my experience yes yeah have i been to a funeral here honestly i'm not sure if i have i've definitely been in a bunch of funerals back home but i can't remember if i've been been in been in yeah been to like is this like a participated <laughs> you're like i'm not dead but i'm here for it well my, my grandma passed away when i was 14 15 so i i definitely remember that whole mm-hmm. um that whole process because it was you know like we had to be at the the funeral home right and we kind of have to like hang out there for for days and people come to okay. us so yeah and, you know because yeah, we were I, talking about korea and mallory uh, was saying how it's like a few days that the family is there yeah and so i was wondering if it was like that where mm-hmm. you were or if, yeah it's like that okay. okay yeah why why did you ask well because i mean i'm just curious because i feel like you know the like so much of death is so sterilized here Mm. and that like maybe going back to like talking about being human or that like we need to put on this this 
face around like even just the idea of like dressing somebody up who's dead it's like yeah. yes there's a certain like respect and reverence for the person who passed that's good whatever but that it's like let's make it look like they're not even dead mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like let's deny this all this other part of being a human which is just the inevitability that things are going to change and that yeah. your body isn't forever or whatever the other things that go along with it. So I was just curious about like it, cause you know, there's like culturally, it's just interesting to me. Yeah. And also, you know, the thing is, I feel like so much of Western I'm putting air quotes around Western Mm -hmm. here. Ideals have spread so far to Mm -hmm. other parts of the country as well, or other parts of the world as well, that I feel like it's kind of impossible not to, unless you are still very connected to your own kind of ancestral culture and ancestral ways. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, death that you see, like, when I think about it, like my grandmother's funeral was very similar to whatever I see on TV mm. as to being like the the funeral rites in the United States, mm-hmm. you know? So and was it, she that, Christian? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then there's that whole thing. There's that whole thing. <laughs> right. Right. It's like imported into other cultures and countries through the religion, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This has been so lovely, Mary. This has just been amazing. Thank you for nourishing me and my week and my day. Mm. And I guess, you know, I'm still working on that final signature, final question, but um But what feels resonant for me today is to ask you you know, keeping in mind our conversations about cults, about our own inner teacher, about death, about growing up in a big family. How do you think that's impacted your understanding of language and how language can create the world that we want to see in the future? So... I always, I feel like you'll probably agree with this. I always feel like there's just like not enough words for the things that are happening inside or, or interpersonal things that are happening. It's like, I just want more specific descriptors so we could just cut to the chase. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think maybe that's, maybe that's something to go going back to like the bullshit detector of things is just being like, let's just get to the point here. Yeah. This is a yes or this is a no for me. And and that like the like what you were saying about just what feels resonant is like sometimes what feels resonant doesn't like we have it in our heads from from like social ideas that like if I find the person that I'm meant to be with I will feel x y and z like I will feel over the moon Mm -hmm. what does that even mean like I've I've 
if that's the example that I'm going with, it's like, oh, actually, when I feel resonance, it's just like, oh, this is what I will do. And maybe mm. it's a little robotic, but yeah. it's actually not like it's it's like very settled and it's very There's a neutrality like, to it. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like heightened and frenetic and whatever. Like so. So some of it is just that over the moon for some people is actually like, yeah, they're just like gushy over the top. I don't know, giddy people. And I realized like, I don't really get giddy. Why would I just expect, except, you know, yesterday, like I am not going to just be giddy all of the time. And also who has energy for that? It's exhausting to be giddy. It's tiring to be giddy. Like residence <laughs> saves you so much time and energy because you don't have to, uh, like, like, pro like it's not projecting, but yeah, I guess it's just like, I don't have to exude all of these other things mm. to just know, like quietly, like go yeah. in your prayer closet, if you will. Yeah. We haven't really made any like church references and I just wanted to slide that one in. Um. <laughs> prayer closet right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question about language really, but just thinking that it's like remembering the relativity of it because mm. so many, we get so much messaging about how we will we'll feel when we know, like when I think about when I moved to Maine or when I decided what college I was going to, it wasn't like, Oh my God, this is exactly the thing for me. It was just like, yeah, I'll try that. Like I will do that thing, <laughs> you know? Right. And if you're looking for this like big flashing banner, that's going to be like, your heart's going to pound and you'll know it by all of these words. Like maybe you just need to like figure out your own words. Oh, you know? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very eloquent. Thank mm, you, Mary. <laughs> you are very eloquent. I love it. Oh, stop uh... it. You have Mercury and Pisces. <laughs> I can't compare. <laughs> so um, maybe, you know, folks listening to this, um, I don't really, <laughs> I, I hate referring to the audience in the third person, but can you, can you tell us where we can find you? Can you tell us um, how we can work with you? All of the things. I mean, just find me on Instagram, I guess. It's probably the easiest way. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I um I don't have anything too special. Mm, um Instagram special. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Isn't it though? It is. I feel like that's how I first really learned about you. So you know to me Instagram is kind of a mall, right? And you know, I grew up with malls and malls that's you know, I love some stores. I don't like other stores, but that's the nature of a mall, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and sometimes you just have to go through a big JCPenney. You just have to do it to yes. get to Zoomies or, you know, Hollister or whatever. Barnes & Noble or, like, oh, yeah. Borders, you know? Yeah, borders. Or, like, Power Records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> thank you so much. This was fun. I mean, this it's fun so to hang great. out with you. I'm just Always. imagining that's what this was. We just hung out and we're going to have some 
lots of flies on the wall. I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like this was a real conversation. Mm-hmm. And for that alone, it's like, I'm really patting us both on the back for doing that because it's not easy to be doing that while it's being recorded. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it actually has helped because I've had to be on so many recordings for our Zooms and stuff like that, that it was like, oh, okay. Like at first I was like, oh gosh, we're being recorded and now future Mallory is going to hear it or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Even Just like you're always- going to listen to the to my conversation with Mallory or yeah. Mariola oh, or whatever. <laughs> I know. I was also wondering, I was like, okay, so if I imagine definitely Mallory and Mariola, I'm like, who else? Anybody else? How many, are you doing like a set number? I'm essentially going to be talking to everyone, but, but right. Not everybody wants to be on it. Oh, how dare they? Don't they know that they're safe with you? Or maybe you're just not as fun? I think that it makes, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to me because we are all in different points in our journey with regards Mm. to visibility and i think yeah really it comes down to and i don't know mary like this is so like i'm so conflicted about this which Uh you know by the way i'm gonna let you go in 10 minutes because i respect your time but um i mean you've seen my my invite page right it's extremely like big (laughs) like there's a lot of words in there but what i hope to convey is that like you don't have to be an expert because it's like I'm really trying to create a no expert zone, mm-hmm. like really to like mm-hmm. normalize musing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's funny because some people can be very triggered by that. Like some people can be very triggered by not being an expert because either they've tried to be experts their whole life or they're struggling to like they're in a point where they're struggling to gain some level of expertise. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just for themselves, you know, so. Yeah. And if it's like so, off the cuff that you don't get to demonstrate some sort of. um, Like. Mastery or however you want to call it. like, because I mean, it's like improv, like I actually it's funny you were talking about doing your voice lesson before this because I was like, OK, how can I feel like I was like kind of reminding me of going to voice lessons and being like, I'm going to warm up before I go so that I can feel like, you know, I'm in the zone. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll just like play a few songs and sing. And so thinking about like preparing, I was just like, but it's like, if I fuck up singing or playing music, like that's something that like, I didn't get to play sports, and I really wish I could have, mm. but it just, like, wasn't in the cards for my childhood because of how I grew up. And I forget, though, that, like, I'm really lucky in that I always had, like, chances to perform at things. And I think, like, you must know this very well, too, that, like, when you mess up, you're just like, whatever, keep playing. Show's mm-hmm. got to go on. Exactly. And it doesn't, like completely decimate you like you're just like yeah what do you gotta do like what are you gonna do it's fine like sometimes the thing's out of tune and you just have to go with it exactly and and I forget that that's like a really great lesson that I've gotten over the course of time is just to be like it's fine to be off the cuff it's fine to mess up and like improv especially being like it just was what it was and goodbye. <laughs> like, and if, it's over. You, if you continue with the breadcrumbs, right, with the trail 
often that's how you and this is very capricornian too but like as you persevere that's when you start to find the nuggets of gold like sometimes you yeah. don't even realize that you're going to be talking about this or whatever but i think you know and and honestly like for a conversation that we both kind of have you know we threw some ideas but we didn't create a you know structure around i feel like this mm-hmm. conversation ended up being very cogent actually yeah and that was very making coherent think, right yeah <laughs> like it made me think about improv because even being like why am i bringing up death right now i was like we will find a way to tie it in yeah, and sometimes exactly. you don't but like yeah. sometimes that's the callback is like yeah. trusting that the callback can happen and you'll find a way to get these like seemingly dissimilar things to sort of braid together and get tied up Absolutely. like and when it doesn't you can always just fall back on like well that's life you know <laughs> like when, people, <laughs> when people die unexpectedly it's like well that's life yeah like it's just sort of what was gonna happen totally. um no i felt really like it was good i was like why i like was just like shit i've got like two minutes i'm gonna go sit outside before this and then i like proceed to just run into my house and run upstairs because <laughs> i don't know why i just don't walk upstairs like ever i just always like run, run. <laughs> i don't know i guess it's just all of the energy that i have it's very I cute didn't... i love it <laughs> <laughs> thank you um what do i do with my hands oh uh... <laughs> Um, thank you thank you for for just being so funny so sincere so kind and just the light that you are thank um you. well look what i drew right before here oh um thank you thank you for saying that i realize that in our group like it's hard to tell people sincere things and so i'm like oh because we're too sincere yeah like we're all like it's it's safe to do that and i think like when we were talking about like oh god if i see magda in real life and she's like what a fucking weirdo it's like if she's already heard my inner workings like what else can she like write me off on but like Like, I think it's that, that like vulnerability of being like, oh God, what if I put myself out there? It's like, yeah, if you put yourself out there in our group, you're going to just have these people who just like gently hold you. And like, I don't know, I feel really like safe with, so like, thank you for not being intimidating and too scary because it was good. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Yeah, I had a great time just shooting the shiz with my pal totally (laughs) that's it for my conversation with mary i hope you had a lot of fun as much fun or maybe even more fun than we had when we were recording that conversation And I hope that you also took away something that resonates with you. As always, you can find all the ways to connect with Mary on her Instagram at Mary Shook. And while you're at it, book a reading with Mary. Depending on when you're listening to this, I'm seeing Mary for my own reading with her in a week or so. I feel like when I sit down with Mary in a conversation... Or for a reading, I always get new insights and new perspectives. 
And also, I'm not saying that this is going to be your experience necessarily with her, but Mary always makes me laugh. And hey, isn't laughter the best medicine? If you found this podcast or this conversation inspiring, nourishing, or helpful in some ways to you, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, or review this podcast with five stars or whatever is the highest ranking on your podcast app. Um, I would also love to really receive a review. I know I already said that, but um, yeah, if you, you know, it can be very, very simple. Two or three sentences will suffice. And I think most importantly, if you think that someone else will benefit from this episode or that they will enjoy this episode, I would love it if you could share it with them. Whether, you know, just generally on social media, on your Instagram story, or you can send it privately to a friend or to a member of your community. Until next time, I hope you take good care of yourself and I'm sending you so much love. Thank you for listening.